everyone, this is Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Everything is Football. Don't go away. Hello, everyone. My name is Mark Gashwin, and welcome to the World Cup edition of the EIF podcast. I'm here with Tomas Orsel, and as well as our... We've got, we have, we have, we have got some South American flair on here, and a little South American rivalry for you guys today. We've got Tomas from Brazil, and we've got Joaquin Delmar, who isn't from Argentina, but he likes to say that he is because his... One of his parents is from Argentina, so there we go. Um, so we're going to be good going... one, Mark. <laughs> so he's our he's our fake Argentine on the panel today, and so we are. Let's gonna not get... forget. Also, also a big Spain fan. Uh, yeah, true. Also, had 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 a big debate earlier in his life about whether he should support. support <laughs> his, uh, let me get it right. Is your mom from Spain and your dad is from Argentina? You're uh, you're spot on, Mister Half French, Half American. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, so we'll be talking about uh, going through all essentially all the all the kind of majorish talking points um, for some of the bigger teams. Obviously, you know, we're not going to sit up here and proclaim, proclaim to be experts on Saudi Arabia and Tunisia and some of the rest of these teams. You know, As much as I think Mohamed El Salawi might be a great player, I couldn't tell you much about him. So we're going to steer clear of some of those topics, and we're going to be going through um, talking about some of the favorites, what we like, what we dislike, what we might be worried about, uh, why we think they might win, stuff like that. And then we're also going to go through and talk about some of the more intriguing dark horses out there. There have been a lot of popular dark horse shouts, you know, from the day the draw was made. I mean, like the Senegal and and Egypt, and perhaps like a Morocco or a Croatia. Um, so we'll go through and we'll all we'll all kind of you know pick one or two or three that we think might do uh, stand out from the rest. Um, and then we'll uh, ultimately make, you know, our final, put our stick, stick our necks out there and make our final prediction, uh, predictions of, you know, who we think is going to win, uh, who's going to walk away as the best player, who might be the golden boot and stuff like that. Um, so get, to get this going, I thought that we would talk about the four main favorites and see kind of what we think about all of them. And I think that from the beginning, um, and as we've progressed uh, in the build-up to this World Cup, it's been pretty clear that everyone seems to think that Spain, Germany, Brazil, and France are the four best teams coming into this, and as such are the um, four main favorites. So we'll touch upon them real quick um, and see what we think, and see if we, if if any of us may have have may have a you know maybe a, a, a little bit of a hipster reservation about why maybe they won't do as good as everyone is saying. Um, so we'll go through. Tomas will start. We'll go to Joaquin as we touch through all of these favorites. So Tomas, I'll let you go first, and we have to start with Spain because obviously uh, this is the team with the biggest drama. Uh, at the moment, because Julian Lopetegui was was uh, announced. Oh, wait, how'd you pronounce how'd you pronounce his name? Lopetegui, 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 Lopetegui. I don't speak Spanish. That was a very I, I, you, I, I did not put her tongue, but a completely different national team for a second. I just don't know how to speak Spanish. So that guy was announced as <laughs> <laughs> was announced as I'll call him Julian. <laughs> was announced as Real Madrid's manager yesterday. And it was kind of odd timing, and none of it really made sense. Um, but you know, it wasn't the biggest deal in the world. All right, he'll be managing Real Madrid at the end of the, at the end of this tournament. Um, but it appears the Spanish Federation wasn't so happy with that, and they sacked him a day before the World Cup started. I don't. I, I mean, I, I obviously you know I could ask my dad, but I don't think that this has ever happened ever with a manager getting sacked so uh, shortly before um, before the World Cup starts. And so now it looks like, uh, I don't know if it's actually been official, but Fernando Hierro uh, is going to be taking over as the Spanish national team boss. So it's Tomas, official. 
So, so Tomas talked to us. And it's actually funny because you know it's a Real Madrid. They, you know they're having tri- problems with Real Madrid, and they've just appointed a Real Madrid legend. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But regardless, Tomas, what do you think of Spain? You know how much will this affect them? Uh, do you have any doubts about them? Regardless, how how you know what's your overall assessment of Spain right now? I mean, Mark, you're the first one to to always say, yeah, off the field stuff doesn't matter too much. We we put too much importance on off the field stuff. Well, I think in this case, it, it does matter a lot. Uh, I don't think it matters a lot when it comes to the actual tactical side uh, for Spain. I think they're probably going to line up exactly like they would have Lopetegui, which Yero hinted at, that he can't just change something radically after two years' worth of work. And I think on the field, in terms of that organization um, and style of play, it will be the same. Nothing will change drastically, and uh, the players are used to it. Yero's used to it. So, so on that front, they'll be fine. But... If you think this doesn't have a massive impact on uh, on the players' morale, on, on uh, the whole the whole vibe in the dressing room, then I don't know what to tell you. And, and to people who say it doesn't have an effect, it, it very obviously does. Uh, you have half of the team almost, you know, could say is uh, is comprised of Madrid players and people who I'm assuming were probably very pro Lopetegui uh, staying, and then you have the Barca guys who we've we've seen mixed reports. They say some people are saying that some of the Barca guys. Wanted him gone after the announcement. Some people are saying they had nothing to do with it. Uh, at the end of the day, though, the the fault lies with two people here, and it's primarily a Lopetegui and B, um, the president of the Spanish FA. I forget his name, um, but starting with Lopetegui, what in the world are you thinking? Uh, Negotiating with Madrid and uh, letting the players know, and then five minutes, literally according to the Spanish FA president. Five minutes before you announce to the world that you that he signed for Madrid, you let them know. You know. That's ridiculous. You know, I don't think the problem with them was that he signed with Madrid. I think the problem with him was that he didn't approach them and said, "Hey, I'm in talks with Madrid. Uh, how do you feel about this? Is this fine? Uh, what should I do?" It was literally something they found out five minutes before. And uh, as for uh, the Spanish FA firing him, so it's very poor. I mean, sure you can be angry at the guy, but at the end of the day, you got to think about the country and, uh, and about how the team will perform. And, and sacking him will hurt them. Uh, I think they'll still do well. I'd be shocked if they went out before the semis. But um, at the same time, I wouldn't be so shocked now if they had a really poor tournament, which I don't think they will have, but it could still happen. But as for Lopetegui, you, you've got to say, this is something that's going to be with him for the rest of his career. You, you just don't get away. Like you said, Mark, we've never seen this before. Just very poor judgment on his part. And uh, it'll be interesting. At least they have someone in the arrow. It's not, a, it's not just a guy who's an assistant manager. It's a guy who's respected by every single player there. And I think that helps a lot to have someone like him taking over rather than some, some other assistant manager who, who could have been that guy instead. So I think they'll be fine. But again, wouldn't be shocked if something really bad happened with, uh, with them during the World Cup. And look, I'll, uh, I won't chime in too much on Tomas's comments uh, about Lopetegui. I'll chime in more towards my reservations I had with Spain. Coming into the tournament, uh, Lopetegui stuff aside, I think the main issue with Spain, which I think is what they're missing compared to their uh, 2010 win, is the fact that they don't have, in my opinion, an X-factor player up top. When David Villa played for Spain in 2010, he really, really did carry a massive burden. He was incredible goal-scoring-wise. And he got Spain out of very difficult situations and clutch games. And, I mean, you remember that 2010 run was very unimpressive. As much as Spain dominated, you know, they still struggled to score. And 
as much as I love Diego Acosta and I think he's an excellent player and I'm an Atletico guy and I love him, I don't think he has that much of an X factor like David Villa. And I think Spain against trickier opponents, again, will dominate possession but will struggle to score. And, I mean, my personal opinion, they will go out in the quarterfinals. But, uh, again, I would not be shocked if they have troubles uh, closing out a really tight game against uh, Morocco or Iran or even Portugal for that sake. It'll be interesting to see how they play. Yeah, I actually completely agree with you, Joaquin, because I think that I'm, I'm gonna, I'm kind of gonna agree with you here, and I think Tomas kind of covered uh, the part with the coach. I, w- I don't particularly care, and I, I wouldn't have cared, and I would never have sacked him. Um, but as Tomas alluded to, I don't think it'll have a huge impact on this tournament. The players are all very, very old. They're all very, very experienced. They've done it. They've been here before. Sergio Ramos, PK, Iniesta. They're all gonna, you know regroup the team and say, you know, it happened, we move on. PK already tweeted about it, basically, you know, saying that in 1989, the Michigan basketball team, their coach got fired right before the tournament. They ended up winning. You know, let's do that ourselves. And I'm actually going to go ahead uh, and agree with Joaquin, though, about my reservations on the field, uh, you know, whether that was with Lopetegui or not. And it's that what was interesting when I was looking through this, the 2014 team that got so embarrassed by Holland and Chile, it was almost identical to the team that they're playing right now. And everyone is saying, oh, they're, you know, they're one of the clear favorites. It's the exact same team, the same back four. Um, obviously, De Gea is better in net. And then basically, uh, they both both had Diego Costa up front. And all they've really done is replaced Xavi and Xavi Alonso with Isco and Thiago. So they've gotten a little bit younger, but you know, you could argue about the quality there. <clears throat> and I think that the that the same problems are kind of going to emerge, which happened to them in, in 2014, is that you know lots of pre-possession, lots of pretty play, no real goal threat. So I completely agree with Joaquin. I think that they would be quite, quite stupid to not start Marco Asensio um, instead of one of those midfielders. You have to bench one of them because otherwise they're all too similar. So I would bench one of them, play Asensio. I would even throw in Lucas Vazquez quite early into some of these games just because I think they need a little bit of you know variation. And we kind of saw that not only from David Villa, but to add to Joaquin's point, they also had that from Pedro in 2010 as well, who was very, very important to that team, um, just offering something a little bit different. So now we'll move on and we'll talk about Germany, which is another one of the favorites where I have probably out of the four, Spain and Germany are probably the two I have the most reser- reservations about. Um, Tomas, do you agree? I agree that I have reservations about Germany when you consider how strong a favorite they are. You, you see so many of these so-called experts uh, talking about how strong Germany are and how much depth they have. Well, you know, it, it's a seven-game tournament if you go all the way. You're not... <laughs> your depth doesn't matter too much unless you get really, really unlucky of injuries um, or something catastrophic happens. You're, you're not you're not relying too much on the depth. You're maybe relying on one or two impact subs. I'm very disappointed, uh, really quick, with Joe Kim Lowe here. Um, not calling out Godse, and you can say, oh, why? Just because he scored the winning goal doesn't mean he should be in the team. Well... Talking about depth here, when you have a 23-man squad, I'm assuming most coaches think that five or six guys are not going to see the pitch. Why is one of those guys not the guy who won the World Cup for you? I really don't understand. And then beyond that, of course, not calling up Sané uh, for someone like Julian Brandt, who I think is a very good player but doesn't get – isn't anywhere near as good as Sané is ridiculous. I don't care if Sané hasn't really performed for the national team. So very questionable on Lowe's part. Uh, I have some doubts about them, especially the attack. You have Werner. You have a really young guy who – who's very good and has been playing well for Germany, but what if he doesn't perform? You don't have a lot of so-called depth in the attack right there. So 
I think people should be more concerned about Germany uh, than they are. I think they'll still do well. Obviously, they're still a very strong team, but they're by no means such a clear favorite, you know, up there with uh, Brazil, France, and Spain, in my opinion. They're a little, uh, a little far behind those uh, those three. So, oh, some caution for people just really putting it all, all on the line for Germany. And I guess to add quickly, you know, I, I think that the Germans will do well. They historically do well. They're always very competent, very organized, and they get results. They're very good at that. I don't doubt that they'll make a deep run. But, uh, you know, I could see it just like in previous tournaments before 2014 where they just felt a little short in those deciding moments. Uh, they had tight games where things didn't go their way. And this year, you know, if you think about it, it's very similar to their team in 2014, I think was an unimpressive German side. They were all just, you know, very, all of them were like very, very good or very decent players, but there was no real star. So maybe that could come back to uh, bite them. And I'm also curious to see how sharp uh, Manuel Neuer is in net. If he's um, back to 100% and he looks good, uh, who knows if being off the pitch for so long, he'll have an error in a really big game. Like, who knows? Uh, it's hard to expect those things, but. You never know if being off the pitch for so long will get into his head. Yeah, and so I, I agree with both of you here. And I want to, Tomas, I was I nearly cut in when you were talking about you know this this famous depth that so many so many people are talking about. Um, and and my question is, where exactly is that depth? I've seen you've seen tweets <laughs> and and comments from people saying you know oh Germany's B team or or whatever it might be could make the semifinal of the World Cup. And and my question is, what depth? Jonas Hector, Matthias Ginter. Leon Goretzka, Sebastian Rudy, Julian Brandt, a 30, like, what is he, 38-year-old Mario Gomez? I know you're 32, Mario, but come on. Mario Gomez, you know, it, it's just not that impressive of a team. Um, and as you run through their lineup, Plattenhart, uh, you know, okay. You know, obviously the rest of their team, Hummels, Boateng, Kimmich, that's a very, very, very good, um, you know, completes the rest of that back four. Um, but I think, you know, Kadira and Cruz and Ozil kind of struggling at Arsenal. Timo Werner, like you said, kind of an unknown, you know, it's not guaranteed that he's going to exactly light up this World Cup. Tomas Muller hasn't really been in stellar form. Um, and then you're basically banking on a question mark of Marco Royce, who's been, you know, serious uh, injury history um, hasn't played too too much this season for Dortmund um, or Julian Draxler who really never sees the pitch that much for PSG and I think that you know like Joaquin said they weren't that that good in 2014 they really just had that one unbelievably stellar game against Brazil but besides that you know they squeaked past France they squeaked past Algeria and, and extra time um, and then they you know whether people want to admit it or not they like probably should have lost Argentina in the final Argentina had the better had really the three most clear-cut chances of that game missed them all um, and I never thought they were that they were overly impressive um, and that is why I think that um, you know I think out of those teams Germany have the biggest potential to go out and really crash out of this tournament and I'm not saying you know in the quarterfinal I'm saying potentially in the group stage um, three of the past four World Cup winners the next time have gone out in the group stage. Um, and I think similar to Spain in 2014 when no one really expected that they were going to struggle, I think the signs were a little bit there. Um, and I think that a, you know, a group with Mexico, Sweden, and South Korea, 
could surprise. So we'll see. That's that's kind of that, that's kind of probably my boldest prediction of as we're going to go through this. And I think Germany might be the ones who struggle a little bit. And second and second place would see them face Brazil most likely in uh, in the last sixteen. So Brazil right. could get early revenge against Germany. Right. I mean, one slip up in one of, in one of these group games, very very possible. I agree. Um, so now we'll move on to my two favorite teams in this tournament. Uh, the two that I, I'm fully expecting to do quite well. We'll start with France, but obviously, Tomas, there's the big question mark about France, and I think you know what I'm alluding to. That is Monsieur Deschamps. So let us know. You know, is that really going to impact them that much, or is the talent in the, of this in this team um, going to see them through? Because before I hand this over to you, the the rumor is that the starting lineup for France will be uh, Lucas Hernandez, Varane, Umtiti, Pavar, Pogba, Conte, Tolisso, Dembélé, Mbappe. And Griezmann. So off the looks of it, there's no Musa Sissoko in the lineup, Tomas. There's no Matuidi in the lineup. There's no Giroud in the lineup. So is Deschamps potentially learning a little bit on the job here? What do you think? No. No, and absolutely not. Let's be honest. We, we know come 6 a.m. on Saturday against Australia, Musa Sissoko will undoubtedly be in that lineup. <laughs> uh, you know, you know. As soon as things go wrong, Musa Suzuki and Giroud are getting that call, kind of like Batman would get that thing in the sky. <laughs> that's what's happening with those two. Because I guess Deschamps is lucky here that if he's not, he he would be undoubtedly the worst manager of any national team in the world. But luckily for him, Mister Martinez is even worse. <laughs> I think so. So he doesn't get, the, you know, he doesn't have the title of worst manager, but. I think he can really hinder the team here. I know we say managers and national teams don't matter so much uh, in terms of maybe helping a team. You know, there, there's a limitation to how much they can do in terms of implementing a system, uh, and it's a lot of man management and really situational uh, situational management. However, they can really hurt a team, um, and Deschamps is a prime example of exactly that. And he is horrendous. Uh, his team selection is horrendous. Uh, people pointing to how good a manager he was. The man hasn't won anything for almost a decade, and you know, even when he won, I didn't think anyone out here was saying he was this revolutionary manager. So other than, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, he was the manager for Monaco back in when they made the semifinal against, uh, or the final of the Champions League in 04, 03. Um, and he did it well with Marseille. But other than that, he, he's horrible. And I don't know why so many people are saying, oh, he's a great manager. you got to have faith in him. He has a terrible track record of France. Um, if he gets the lineup right, they're very, very dangerous, of course. Um, I do think they also have question marks. Uh, obviously, Mbappe can perform at the biggest stage. We know how good he is. But it's another ball game when it's the World Cup. It's his first one. So he could he crumble under pressure? He could. We don't know. Um, I think their defense, obviously, very strong. Uh, I don't think there's any issues there. The goalkeeping is horrendous. We see it every day. You always expect an error from Yoris. And uh, as for the midfield, very strong midfield. But Mr. Pogba. It's time to have for him to step up because he hasn't stepped up with Man U. And now so many people were saying, oh, you know, he has some good performances and people would discredit Pogba, just hate him and hate his hair. No, he really hasn't been that good. So so it's, it's finally time for him to step up. Do I think he will? Probably. Uh, France are just too good not to do well. But warning, they have a very difficult group, Mark. I think amongst the favorites, you talk about Germany's group, I think France is even tougher uh, in, terms of, in terms of a potential slip-up, uh, mostly because of Denmark and Peru. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, Deschamps, is a is a disaster waiting for uh, waiting to happen, and you know that if they don't do on their first game, you know Giroud and Suzuki are getting that getting that training kit off and coming right back to the starting lineup, and uh, and the inevitable will happen, and they'll and they'll they'll lose to someone uh, who they who they shouldn't be losing to. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna go on in a, on a Didier Deschamps rant because you know I I think he's poor. I think he's terrible. But um, he, here's the thing: it's hard to explain. I have I had a really great gut feeling about France in 2006. You know, you really really felt that their team was convincing and that they were really good. I don't know what it is about uh, their team in 2018, but I don't have that same gut feeling, that same confidence. And when I was filling out my bracket and I saw that, that there was a potential matchup between France and Uruguay, I believe in a quarterfinal, I really think that's a match where I could see a massive upset and Uruguay take that and make a uh, run like they did with the team led by Forlan in 2010. I really would not be surprised. Because France, in recent years, it just hasn't given that sort of confidence that that 20, like 2016 gave. And for me, it's, it's concerning that uh, Griezmann is going to bear a lot of the creative burden on that team. And um, that the two players that Griezmann is going to be feeding the ball to are under 20 years old and have never played a World Cup. So those are my... I guess yellow flags that don't make this France team as exciting to me as the 26, 2016. Well, I just think that the common pitfalls that people are talking about um, with like the experience and stuff. I, you know, I talked about this before. I don't see it being a huge problem. I actually was uh, watching an interesting. Um, or reading an interesting article from, uh, it was about England, I don't remember who wrote it, but it was basically talking about how the English team might benefit a little bit because a lot of guys are really young, um, they've never you know, had the disappointments of playing in a Euro or a World Cup before, and I kind of think that might be the case here, and I think it's an underrated thing to look at. You know, People talk about you know, the importance of having played in a World Cup, the importance of having played in a very big game at international level before, but I think you know, echoing the, this article that I read, I agree that it could have a sort of a, a reverse reaction. And I think you've seen that with Argentina the past three years. You know, they surely they've had all the experience. You know, they've they made it to a World Cup final. Okay, they you know they they they, they lost. Then they Copa America. They had all the experience. They made it back to the Copa America final. They lost. Oh, you know, now they're even more experienced. Okay, they got there again and lost again. And it can weigh on your head. <laughs> and it can weigh on your head if you're a team that is kind of you know a little bit expected to do really well if you've had guys that have been there before and lost. You know, imagine Griezmann stepping up for a penalty in a very, very big game against in the quarterfinal, you know, the weight of the world's on his shoulders because, you know, he just kind of failed and missed a few good chances in the Euro 2016 final. But, you know, if maybe that chance falls to Kylian Mbappe, he's not worried about any of all that. You know, he's the new kid on the block. He has no pressure on him. You know, he's just supposed to, you know, be the young, dynamic kid who's, you know, just supposed to kind of play the way he's supposed to play. And I think that that could help. Um, and I think that it's something that is slightly overlooked. And I think that, you know, just to kind of to be to bring a little bit of a counterpoint to the one that you keep seeing, which is, you know, that France are inexperienced and they're quite young. And so because of that, they might struggle. And so I think it might help them a little bit. I think Mbappe is going to crush this tournament. He's just, you know, turned into one of my favorite players, just direct, so confident, you know, willing to take on everyone, has embraced his role as, you know, people might think Griezmann's the best player on this team. I mean, there was an interview with Griezmann back in, I believe it was like March, where he basically said, you know, we're going to go as Mbappe goes. Like, he's already taken on that responsibility. Um, and I'm just very, very excited to see what France 
do with this tournament. And I think that um, despite my Deschamps reservations as well, um, if that if that lineup I read at the beginning is confirmed, then you know what? I don't think anyone can really complain because that's probably the best lineup uh, that they could throw out there. And it probably would be the same one that I would throw out there if I was managing. So um, if he does that, then I don't think they have anyone but to blame but themselves because I think that um, you know they are probably as I'll get to in a second, the best team besides Brazil at this tournament. Um, so now we'll move on to your men, Tomas. Uh, you've been, you know, as I've been talking to you about this World Cup, you've been very, very down on Brazil. Uh, you've been, uh, and I can understand that because as a fan, you don't want to hype them up too much because then the disappointment's much, much worse when it happens. Um, but ever since Teach has taken over, you guys... Chi-Chi. Chi-Chi. I'm str- you know what? I, I, there you I, go. I, I, should, I should let the, multi- the bilingual lads... To fucking moderate this thing. Um, that that uh, that they've been virtually, you know, they've been the best national team really in the world. I mean, they romped through qualifying. Um, they've looked great in the friendlies since Neymar's come back. Because let's be honest, I mean, playing Brazil without Neymar is not exactly playing Brazil. Um, and for me, despite the injury to Danny Alves, which was a big blow, <coughs> I think Brazil are the favorites here. I fully expect them to win, which I'll get to. How are you? As a Brazilian, feeling about this, what are the feelings uh, in Brazil itself? Uh, you know, what are your slight concerns? Um, and you know, do you kind of share my confidence that this? You know, you might not necessarily have to believe that they will win, but do you think they almost should win? You know, especially with a Neymar at his peak, etc. Ooh, where to start? This will be a, this will be a bit lengthy compared to the other ones, guys. So I apologize in advance. Um, we wouldn't expect anything less. Starting out with me being down about Brazil, I haven't really been down about Brazil, Mark. I've just been, you know, conservative when it comes to expectations here because we saw what happened in 2014. Of course, the 7-1. How could anyone ever forget that? Um, Albeit with a team that I think is worse than this one. We saw 2010. um, Saw Felipe Melo, that absolute disgrace of a player who somehow still applies the straight here for Palmeiras week in, week out. Should be locked up in a jail. Uh, he ruined that along with Julius Cesar, who, to be fair, redeemed himself in 2014. But yeah, we saw how that went. And in my opinion, that was a good team, not a great team, uh, but a team that going into the World Cup looked uh, very, very good. And you could say, you know, we talk about Chichi since he took over, Mark. Dunga in 2010, that Brazil team was pretty much unbeatable going into the World Cup. So, you know, that's that's where I get a little a little scared when I'm talking about how strong Brazil are. And uh, unfortunately, Dunga didn't call up Neymar and Ganso, who at the time was at his peak, uh, along with Neymar and Santos, and that, that proved to be a big mistake. And of course, 2006, uh, the famous Roberto Carlos socks uh, and fixing his socks uh, that resulted in Zidane scoring, also in the quarterfinal. Um, that in itself as well, I think that was a better team. Than, than the one we currently have, although some of the guys were a little older. Um, I still think that was a better team, and just pure pure talent-wise, the guys you had in that team, Kaká, Adriano, Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, you know, the list goes on and on, so that was a better team. But going back to, to 2018, I think when you look at expectations that we're such a strong favorite, uh, I, don't, I don't think we are. I think we arguably are the best team. I think Spain are still a better team than Brazil, player for player, and, and France are right there. Um, but it's certainly a good team, and we have the guy who, in my opinion, is going to prove to be the best player in the world after this World Cup. Uh, he will finally cement his status. Sorry, Messi fans. Sorry, Ronaldo fans. It's it's finally Neymar's time. And I'd just like to point out, as a Santos native, Mark, you can attest to this. I've been talking about Neymar since he was, what, 15, 16, and coming through here. 
uh, here in Brazil. And so following his whole career, how it's been, it's it's just been a joy to watch. And I can't wait for him to join Madrid eventually. Um, but it really will be the tournament he finally takes over. And I think he needs to because you talk about the favoritism of Brazil, Mark. And I look at the back line. Mr. Thiago Crybaby Silva doesn't instill too much confidence in me. Of course, he's a good uh, center back. But when you're the captain of the national team in 2014 and you're crying when the penalty shootout's about to start against Chile instead of wanting to take a penalty, get out of here. You shouldn't be allowed to play with the national team after that. Miranda Marquinhos, good good center backs. I'm not denying that. I think it's going to be a good back line. The best one is on the bench. It's Jeremel from Grêmio. He's easily the best center back, in my opinion, out of all of those guys. And anyone here in Brazil will probably say the same but unfortunately people who don't watch him play or you know uh think that everyone here in south america is, is poor are going to say oh what are you talking about well he is the best and he should be playing danny obviously like you said big big loss don't trust danilo another santos man who used to be great back in the day i don't have any confidence in danilo whatsoever i would prefer to see an inverted left back playing out there maybe uh you know felipe Luiz. even if you've caught up alexandra who knows um and then of course nothing to say about marcelo uh allison really briefly um fantastic season but do i really trust allison with his feet not necessarily because he's good with his feet but if you guys notice i, I told you guys this a couple weeks ago he holds on to the ball for so long that i'm scared he's about to make an error like he did in the copa america uh and that worries me the midfield tichi chichi got it right finally looks like he's gonna play coaching in midfield uh and he's not gonna play that super defensive lack of creativity midfield that we've seen uh pre-namer coming back and of course the attack we have jesus neymar and william and that excites me. I just hope that, A, we see a William who we see once, um, one month every season, where he looks like, like Neymar and Hazard, and then and not the William that we see for another eight months, where he just kind of disappears and, and is just really hit or miss. Neymar, like I said, going to prove his mark. And, of course, Jesus, uh, it's a huge tournament for him, and a lot rise on Jesus because it, you know, it looks like Firmino will be on the bench. Firmino's ready to replace him, but I think Jesus will step up. Um, even though he hasn't been great for City this season, he will step up. And uh, like you said, Mark, we are we are strong favorites. I don't think we have the best team, but uh, defense aside, which does worry me, uh, I think we'll do very well. And my biggest worry of all before the final, of course, if we get there, is Belgium in the quarterfinals, assuming we end up on the same side of the bracket. So that's the game I'm most worried about uh, out of any of these games. But yeah, I think, I think we're going to win, just being cautiously optimistic here. And like I said, I still think if Spain get it right, we we should be worried about a, a Diego Costa in form scoring a goal in the 90th minute, you know, to give even more reason for us to hate Philly Powell for choosing Fred over Diego Costa back in the day. What a great decision that was. Yeah, I mean, Tomas co- covered a lot of it. Um, I think this will be the year where uh, this whole curse of South American teams doing poorly in Europe is broken and I mean, well, we can touch that later. Uh, I think it's going to be an all-South American final of Argentina-Brazil. Uh, I think, obviously, Brazil is one of the best teams in the world and, comf- in my opinion, comfortably a favorite. I watched all of them through qualifying, and they looked scintillating. And sure, some years Brazil has been incredible in qualifying, and then they have drop-offs in tournament. But I fully expect them to get to the final I also don't think Neymar is going to get injured unless we have another flying Colombian into his back. But, um, you know, I, I don't say we would expect that. Neymar will probably stay healthy. Uh, I honestly pray to God that Neymar stays healthy because I don't want, uh, when Argentina wins the World Cup, for people to say that, oh, Argentina won it when Neymar was <laughs> injured. 
I want it to be a Messi versus Neymar showdown, an incredible World Cup final, fought out between the two rivals. And uh, I, I also have my reservations, and I don't want to get cocky. I hope our Argentina and Messi get the World Cup they truly deserve after years and years and years of hard work. But who knows? I think Brazil are primed uh, to win it. They can win it for sure. Well, I just don't. I just think I'll come out here and be as confident as ever and say that Brazil are winning this. And you know, people like to to, to hang on the fence. Uh, they like to sit on the fence, and they you know they don't try and be as 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 confident in their predictions as possible. But there has been nothing to me that indicates that this Brazil team isn't comfortably the best in the tournament. Um, from back to front, regardless of if, if they have Danny Alves or not, Danilo is a competent enough replacement, especially at the international level. Um, and they have Neymar. And that's basically all I need to say. I think this, the man gets, um, we, we, we talk about this so often, um, you know, the three of us, that Neymar is probably the most disrespected uh, superstar there is. I mean, there is no more enjoyable player to watch than Neymar. Um, I think that if enjoyable and effective, and I think that if, um, you know, Ronaldo hadn't been part of such a really, really good Real Madrid team, um, that was basically, you know, comfortably the best in the world position for position. Um, and, you know, had, you know, their little, you know, had their luck along the way to winning these champions leagues. I think people would have, you know, comfortably placed Neymar as, you know, either as good as Messi or the second best player in the world because he just simply is. He can just do everything that there is to be done. Um, you know, I always talk about this kind of term like a total footballer and Messi and Neymar are the total footballers. They can absolutely do everything. They can pick up the balls 80 yards from goal and you stand up. I mean, I remember, you know, making this comparison. Joaquin and I went to the Copa America final in 2016 uh, in New York and I've never seen it you know, with this with a player ever before in my life, that Messi would pick up the ball on his own 18, and the entire stadium stands up in expectation of something that's going to happen. Neymar is the exact same way. I mean, he, he gets you on his feet every single time that he touches the ball. Um, he's unbelievable at international level. I saw a stat the other day that he's averaging like 1.04 goals or assists per 90 minutes with the national team shirt. He's already the fourth a leading goal scorer. He's going to comfortably surpass Pele. Um, and I think that he would have had a big part to play in not having Germany beat you guys 7-1 back in 2014, but he got injured. Um, and I think that now with a fit Neymar who hasn't played for three months, who's going to know about all the things that people have been saying about him, you know, um, you know, that he didn't really make the most of his move to PSG. He, you know, got injured before they could lose uh, before the uh, second leg against Real Madrid. I think he'll just be raring to go. He'll be fresh. Um, not a lot of players get that um, sort of, you know, it, it's a little bit lucky to be that fresh going into a World Cup. Um, but Tichi has made a squad that is just, it works so, so well together. They have so many good players. Coutinho in midfield. Um, Jesus finishing all the chances that they get. William generally looks quite good in a Brazil shirt. Um, and I mean, just from back to front, it's a stellar team. And I know Tomas is a little bit less confident than I am. Um, but without the U.S. in this tournament, I have to support a couple of teams. And Neymar and Brazil are certainly one of the teams that I'll be uh, certainly supporting. And I think that they'll win it. And then the other team that I'm supporting, see, this is going to be interesting here because we're really getting a... It might almost we, should, be, we should kick you out of the podcast. That's what I was just going to say. It might almost be sacrilegious that the two my, my two teams that I'm supporting in this tournament are Brazil and Argentina. Um, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but at the end of the day, if my country isn't in the tournament, 
I will never forgive Trinidad and Tobago. But if my team is in the tournament, I'm going to support the two players that I love the most. That's Messi. That's Neymar. Um, and so while I think Brazil are going to win, I do think Argentina will do better than people think. They, unlike Brazil, they completely struggled in qualifying. And, you know, without Messi, they wouldn't even be here. I mean, there was, a, there was the stat that with Messi, I mean, without Messi, they only won once in, I believe, eight games. Uh, and then with Messi, they won something like six and eight, uh, seven and ten, something like that, and ended up qualifying for the World Cup, obviously, as we know, with a hat trick on the final day. Um, but I think that it's, you know, reading into prior form, as much as I was talking about, you know, that Brazil have been so good, you know, going before this, you don't necessarily need to be in good form to win a tournament like this. You play seven games. You just need to focus for those seven games, get it done. Um, it's kind of like Real Madrid in the Champions League, terrible in La Liga, but you know, as long as you show up on the day, you can still win a tournament. Um, and I think that the the lineup that Argentina are, are potentially putting out there is a good one, and it's better than the one they had in twenty four than the one they had in twenty fourteen, and they made the final in twenty fourteen, and probably should have won it in twenty fourteen. Um, so you know, as long as you have Messi playing quite okay, well, uh, which he did this season, he was you know looked just about as good as he has in, in you know past two two years or so. Um, then, you know, why not? You got Messi and you got a team built around him that looks relatively comfortable, relatively solid. If Aguero finds his form, which is rare at the international level, but you got to think that, you know, what is this, eighth times the charm? I mean, at some point, you got to think that Aguero will turn up at one of these tournaments. Um, and I think that Argentina will be okay. I do not necessarily expect them to win, but when you have Messi, why not? So I'll actually, I'll, I'll, I'll let Tomas talk a little bit about his arch rivals first. I know he's uh, see, it's funny because having prefaced this with that, um, you'll, you may think that, uh, you'll get the, both sides of the coin here. Tomas is a little bit lower on them than, uh, me and Joaquin are. So I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you go, Tomas. <laughs> a little bit lower. Well, that's a, that's an understatement and a half. Uh, to what Joaquin said a little earlier that, you know, they deserve it after all these years of hard work. They don't deserve, excuse my language, they don't deserve shit. What do they deserve? Everyone's working hard here. You know, I don't care that they had a bunch of near misses. The Bills lost, what, five in a row in the Super Bowl? So I don't think Argentina deserve anything. Uh, in fact, I think they've gotten very fortunate before to even get to the final. Uh, they should have won it before and absolutely choked it multiple times. So I don't know. I don't know what they deserve right now. Uh, they deserve what I think they're going to get, which is a group stage exit. And I'll keep this very brief. I think you guys are in for a shock, and I can't wait to sit here with you. Uh, before we preview the knockout stages next time and uh, and talk about Argentina not going through because I've been saying this for months, over a year actually. Uh, we talk about bad managers, Sampoli. Everyone said how brilliant he'd be when he came in um, to, uh, for Argentina and all that. And what happens? He's been horrible for them. Uh, he tried too much, tried to do too much. Didn't work out for them. Uh, in a lot of these games, they barely qualified. And, uh, and he really all of a sudden decides to call Dybala up which for me doesn't make any sense calling Dybala up if you're not going to play him for the past year. And I think Joaquin can agree with this, even though we disagree a lot about Argentina. Uh, the case is, if you want to play Dybala, why, why weren't you playing him in the friendlies leading up to the World Cup for the past year? Why couldn't you make it work with him and Messi before? And now all of a sudden you call him up and leave out some of these guys like Lautaro, like Icardi, um, and decide to bring him on. And you talking about Brazil and Argentina similarities. He left Armani at... Uh, uh, well, what's his name? Is there Armani he left at home, Joaquin? Who am I thinking of? Uh, the best goalkeeper in Argentina. Um, no, Armani, Armani's on our squad. He's just yeah, sorry, Armani player. should start. Yeah, well, Armani should start. I'm thinking of the other dude. Cannot uh, for my life remember his name right now. Plays in Argentina. Is their best goalkeeper. Didn't get called up. 
And at the end of the day, I think people who, who say, oh, Messi can, can take anyone to, to a final. Uh, Messi barely qualified them. Uh, and obviously he did very well in that last game. But even with Messi, this team looked horrendous. Like uh, horrendous, not even bad. Horrendous. Probably one of the worst teams in qualifying in terms of how they looked. So I, I don't see all this confidence for Argentina. I think they have a hard group that a lot of people, including you guys, are underestimating. I think everyone's sleeping in Iceland. I'm not saying Iceland are going to go and do what they did in the Euros. But Iceland qualified with no problems. And everyone's saying, oh, they, they're just a fairy tale story. No, they're actually a good team. And Nigeria, not an easy game. Beat Argentina last time they played in a friendly. I think it was 4-2. And, of course, Croatia, who I think are going to beat Argentina in the group and finish first. Um, I think Argentina are gone in the groups. I think they're gone, and I think you guys would be sitting in there and thinking, wow, should have listened to Thomas, because Mr. Lionel Messi, in probably what's the second-to-last World Cup, not even making it out of the group stage. Not making it out of the group stage. And there's not anything anti-Messi. Uh, I feel bad for the guy, because this team's horrible. There's nothing he can really do with this team. Maybe if he had a team like Brazil, he'd win the title. But with this team, absolutely no chance. No chance they, they do well, and very likely out in the group stages. Well, then... Um, that was, that was fun to listen to. Let's, uh, let, like the Brazilians say, calma, calma, calma. Let's bring it back down to the voice of reason here from our expert on Argentina. Um, and Argentina, not biased. No, not biased at all. <laughs> Here's my thought process. I don't think Argentina has ever taken a game for granted, especially in the World Cup. And historically, we've always had for lack of a better word, very shitty groups, and we've been able to tough them out and top them. So, again, I don't think our squad is going to think that Croatia, Nigeria, and Iceland are pushovers, and they're going to take it very seriously. And leading up to the 2014 World Cup, our qualifying was also shocking. Um, we were 20, not impressed. 2010, 2010. So, sorry, yeah, 2010. Well, I mean, 2014, to 20, be fair. 20, 2014, you kind of you kind of cruised. Top, you, yeah, top, you but, topped qualifying. Yeah, but I, okay, fair enough. But I, <laughs> I, I still have I still have my reservations. Anyways, in 2010, like, like Mark, yeah, I was going to do it chronologically. So in 2010, the infamous Maradona, like Penguin Dive, all the Palermo stuff you know it's like you know we've never historically been very very impressive in qualifying so i don't think that past form has a huge indicative on world cup success and if anything on like tournament success i think that this argentina team in 2018 is actually better than the one in 2014 at least the lineup that um at least lineup that Sampaoli is putting out right now is much, much better than what we had in qualifying. He's keeping it more simple. He's not trying to overcomplicate things. Uh, and I think that the midfield of Mascherano and Lo Celso and uh, Maxi Mesa is going to work. I actually quite like it. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to watch Argentina play. It's obviously very nerve-wracking. Uh, but I think it's a testament to South America that I think that it's going to be an all-South American final. Their qualifying was brutal this year and very difficult, and I think it's going to show uh, that these are some of the teams that are best prepared to succeed in this year's World Cup, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that, that that's, you know, as I was talking to talking about a little bit before, I think that, um, you know, 
and, and something that you mentioned as well, is that this Argentina team is better than the one in 2014. And if they were able to make it to a final, albeit um, in a probably less competitive World Cup, the teams in 2014 weren't that good. But, you know, in one-off games, really anything can happen. And, you know, the fact that their team is better than the one in 2014 it gives me a little bit of confidence. I mean, obviously, if they run into one of the, you know, one of these top four, the France, Germany, Spain, or Brazil, then, you know, obviously they'll struggle a bit more, but, I mean, who wouldn't? And so I think that out of, you know, the, the kind of the rest of the favorites, you know, whether, you know, I won't, wouldn't necessarily call them favorites, but, you know, the other teams that people expect to do well, um, you know, Belgium and England and Portugal, you know, out of that next kind of group, out of that next tier of teams, I would say that Argentina are quite clearly like the fifth up. You know, they're the fifth. You know, they're, they're the fifth team ready to potentially make a run um, for this title. And you know, and, and it's kind of like what what uh, Joaquin was saying that even in 2010, you know, when they had a when they had the disaster that was Maradona in charge, and they were playing just some very odd players. And Maradona was talking about how Jonas Gutierrez, Messi, and Mascherano were the only three names on the team sheet. You know, they still, you know, got through their group with absolute ease. I mean, you know, going 3-0 and against a decent South Korea, an okay Greece, and, a, you know, another another Nigeria team who they always seem to play. Um, so I agree with Joaquin that I think they'll be fine. Um, and, you know, I think that they should be fine up until the quarterfinal where they might get Spain. And if they get Spain, then it's, you know, it's a toss-up because it's two of the better teams in the world facing off, and it's a World Cup. So who knows what will happen. Um, but so the next thing I want to do um, after, you know, talking about I would say probably the teams that we can all agree on, except for Tomas, evidently, are the five sort of main favorites in this. The four main favorites, and then Argentina are probably the next out of that batch. Um, but talking about the favorites isn't always the fun in the World Cup. The fun in the World Cup and the fun in international tournaments is seeing which team that no one particularly expects to do well has a nice little run, has a nice little fairy tale. Um, you know, I'm thinking Senegal in 2002, um, obviously going to a, you know, Costa Rica in 2014, types of teams like that. So I'm going to, I'm gonna you know, everyone will get the chance to kind of name a, a team and explain why they might think that they might do better than they're expecting. Um, the only rule in this segment, guys, is that you're not allowed to pick Belgium because no matter how much people want to say that they are dark horses, how in God's name are they still a dark horse after... Two years of being, you know, they were. I could understand them being a dark horse in 2014. You know, they hadn't qualified for a tournament in a little while. But then somehow in Euro 2016, they were also dark horses. And now in 2018, I've seen some people say that they're dark horses. I mean, they when you have a, they have some of the best players in the world on this team. They are no longer a dark horse. They are not a dark horse. So anyone but Belgium is fair game. <laughs> Should I go first, Park? Go ahead. And if we're talking about teams that might do better than people are expecting, um, my three quick picks are Senegal, although people are starting to all of a sudden warm up to Senegal right before the World Cup. Um, Croatia, like I said, I think they're going to top that group as Argentina get bounced out. And England. I think England. Uh, you brought it up earlier, Mark. I think for them, it's not so much that they have younger players and they don't have that experience you use so much to test, uh, but rather that there's no pressure. Uh, nobody's expecting anything from England. And uh, as long as Southgate does an okay job at steadying the ship uh, and Mr. Harry Kane can score goals and claim his teammates' goals uh, all the way to being the golden boot winner for the World Cup, uh, I think England could do really well. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they topped that group of Belgium. Um, and if they did, to be fair, they'd probably get Brazil in the quarters and that would be very unlucky. So maybe they want to get second place. <laughs> but um, 
uh, in the end, I think England will surprise some people and uh, and do better than uh, than people are expecting. And so I want to jump in here before I go to get to Joaquin with his picks because I think that was actually that might have been the smartest thing you've said all day, Tomas. Because I think that there's nothing Honor. there's nothing more dangerous for me than a sort of perennial powerhouse that is not expected to do anything. I think that that's one of the best positions to be in, and that's actually was a point I was going to bring up about Argentina, that they've not really been listed as one of the main forward favorites. That's something that could help them. But I'm thinking Holland in 2014. You know, they were a powerhouse, but, you know, they hadn't... They, they, they were a really bad team. They had just gotten eliminated in the group stage in Euro 2012. Um, you know, Louis van Hall was taking over and playing them in a weird 5-3-2 system. They were in the group of death with Spain and Chile, and no one expected anything and they're coming into the very first game having to pl- having to play you know the back to back to back international champions that were Spain um, and what they do they surprised everyone and very nearly made the World Cup final just losing on penalties in Argentina and then more recently Tomas your boy or no longer your boy Antonio Conte he took a very 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 unheralded Italy team and surprised he did the exact same thing I mean he he took them to the semifinal and they could have done even better than that, uh, losing in penalties, and I think that that's one of the best positions to be in when you're a when you're in England or a France or a Brazil or a Germany or whoever you might be as one of that kind of you know top eight to ten teams in the world with no pressure. And I think that that's a very good position to be in. So I appreciate that England shout. Astute comment, Tomas. I'll I'll, I'll praise okay. you for that one. And now Joaquin, so t- t- talk talk to me about talk to me about a couple dark horses here. So Tomas uh, took one of mine, which is England. I agree with England, but I think Look a team us. that Look gets us in all agreement. I think a team that gets disrespected too often, and I think they're going to come back with fire in their hearts from the embarrassment. Switzerland. Sorry. <laughs> Switzerland. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. God, you guys are awful. Anyway. Um, the uh, they're gonna come back with fire to avenge the lack of a better word shit show that was 2014 for them. Uruguay are gonna surprise a lot of people and turn a lot of heads, and it's gonna. I, in my opinion, it's gonna look a lot like what they did in 2010 with Forlan. I think that they had a really solid qualifying. Not that it's gonna be indicative of their World Cup, but they looked solid. They know their system. Their players know their role. They have a couple of young guys that are injecting new blood into that team. And you know what? It's always a headache to have to mark Luis Suarez and Cavani together. It's, it's not easy for any team to have to mark two world-class strikers. And when I see a potential matchup with France, I fancy Uruguay's chances to turn some heads and maybe knock them out and make a deep run like they did in 2010. So again, Uruguay, and I think personally their group for them will be very easy. I don't mm. think that Russia, Saudi Arabia, and Egypt are going to give Uruguay a lot of their problems. No, that's a, that's, a, that's a good pick. I actually fancy that a lot. I th- I, when I was similar to you and I was making my bracket, I, that was one of the, the more intriguing games I had because I think Uruguay will top that group and I think Portugal will take second. Um, so I think that that game will be one of the more interesting round of 16 games um, that could materialize because most of the other round of 16 games won't be too, too exciting. Um, but for me, while I agree with actually all your guys' picks so far. I don't really have any disagreements at all. Um, the the two that I'm looking at are... Actually, you know what? I'll go three here. I was just, just to make Tomas happy. So the first one is Egypt, because I'm big on 
Um, I think individual players that have that much quality can really, really, really take you far in, in, in international competitions just because the level is so low that if you have one guy who's like really, really in good form, um, he can take you so far. And I'm my comparison with Egypt is Wales at the Euro in 2016 when Bale just took it upon himself and just delivered game after game after game. And obviously he had a really, really inspired Aaron Ramsey in that tournament as well, whereas I'm not sure that Mohamed El-Neni will be able to replicate that. But you never know. And he did quite well at the African Cup of Nations, and they did quite well there uh, winning that tournament. So I think that Egypt will be a team that's surprised. They have an easy group, and I would love to see um, Egypt get to take on Portugal in a round of 16 game so we could get the proper Ronaldo versus Salah battle that we, hope we, that we hoped we would see in the Champions League. My other team is Morocco because they've got my boy Hakim Ziyech, and I think he's really going to surprise people. And I think that groups like that, um, even though it's Morocco and Iran who are not two of the most intimidating teams, I think that those types of groups where there's two very, very good teams, like the two standout teams, that's when there's the biggest danger of one of them getting eliminated. Because imagine, you know, and they play each other first. Imagine Spain beats Portugal on day one. Portugal already in a deficit. Imagine Morocco beat Iran on day one. You know, Portugal play Morocco? Who knows? That's the big problem. And that's exactly what happened to Portugal in 2014 when they, got, when they lost to Germany on day one. And then they had a matchup with the United States who, you know, to be honest, even as a U.S. fan, the 2014 team, I mean, it wasn't that good. As much as I love Kyle Beckerman, we were starting Kyle Beckerman and, you know, an old Jermaine Jones and Michael Bradley in the center of the park. And, you know, they were able to get a draw. And then at that point, all the United States kind of needed to do was just take care of business because they had already beaten Ghana. And I could see a very similar situation happening here um, if Spain beat Portugal and if Morocco beat Iran on day one. So I think Morocco will be a team that could potentially surprise, and that Morocco-Portugal game um, will be very, very important. And then my final dark horse, just because I have to, and just because I have to support all my Ajax players, because I have nothing really to support here at this World Cup, so it's all about the players for me, is my boy, Arik Milik is going to lead Poland out of that group, I hope, or I think, and is going... and is go- Straight out of the World Cup as well. <laughs> and is going to lead them to, I don't know what, something? The round of 16? I don't know. Quarterfinal? I don't know. I hope so. I would love to see Poland do well. I thought they did well at the, uh, at the Euros. I thought Milik played well at the Euros, despite his poor, poor finishing. Um, and they only lost to... Um, and they only lost to Portugal on penalties, so maybe they'll... Uh, replicate some of that form, although that is a very, very tantalizing group. So, having covered... Wait, before you move on, Mark? Okay. What we got, Joaquin? What we got? I I won't go on too long about them, but I think a team that hasn't been mentioned, and I think that's very well equipped to do well in the tournament, is Colombia. I think they're very good. Honestly, you could really pick any team out of Group H, because Group H is just so even. It really is a difficult one, and then that's going to be a difficult matchup for either Belgium or England, depending on... uh, who comes out of that group. Yeah. So, having covered lots of nonsense previewing this World Cup, we'll now get down and uh, we've kind of already said like who we think might win this whole thing and who might be a finalist and whatever. But, you know, it's very, very difficult to obviously predict, you know, the knockout stage games because they aren't, it's all hypothetical at this point. So what we're going to do um, is go through and say who we think is going to be topping their group, taking second in their group, um, and then ultimately kind of to, to complete our prediction here and really sort of drive it into the ground, uh, we will say who we think will definitively win. We'll say who we think will be the runner-up. 
and who we think will win the golden ball and the golden boot just for fun, and we'll see how well we do at the end of the tournament. Um, so I'll always start with the predictions. We'll go Tomas, then Joaquin, and we will move down the groups. So Group A, I believe that Uruguay will take first, and Egypt will take second. Agreed. Same. Uruguay and Egypt. Same here. Group B, I'm going Spain in first, Morocco in second. Go on, Ziek. <laughs> you, you, you really hate Ronaldo. Well, let's be honest. Spain. Let's be honest. To be honest, I was actually going to say that Spain were going to finish first and Portugal were finish second. But the fact that you had the you decided that you were going to say that Argentina get bounced in round one, I've got to come out and say that Portugal get bounced. <laughs> of course, of course, you make it about Ronaldo and Messi. But uh, that's what that's what Spain I'm here for. First. Spain first, Portugal second, but uh, I would not be shocked if Portugal beat Spain on Friday. Would not be shocked if we see an early upset. Agreed. I'll go different. Spain first, Iran second. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I like that. I like that shout because Ali Reza Yahankshbacher, however you say his name from Azed, is about to be one of the breakout stars of this tournament. And Sardar Azmoon. Sardar Azmoon. I remember... I remember when I made my fire Osmoon comp back on EIF <laughs> highlights. That man's a baller. Oh, man. Could you imagine? Iran, to be fair, Carlos Quiroz, he knows how to stop Portugal. We'll see what happens. <laughs> he almost, they almost tied Argentina in 2014, so don't sleep on Iran. Uh, doesn't, know how to, doesn't know how to lead Portugal, but certainly knows how to stop them. Yeah, it could be true. Uh, group C, I'm going France in first with Peru in second. I think Peru will surprise a couple people here. Surprise no one mentioned him as a dark horse. I like Peru. Well, I mean, I've I've been talking about proof forever. Had uh, they gotten Guerrero back, which they have, so I'm actually in agreement with you here, Mark. France first, Peru second. Paulo Guerrero really gonna gonna show up in the group stages, I think. And per- score, score Peru, quite a few Peru goals. Denmark on match day one is gonna be a very very important massive game. game. Yeah. France one, Peru second, and the reason why they weren't a dark horse of mine is because I saw a potential matchup with Argentina in the round of sixteen. Ah, uh, very true. Oh, wow, Look at wow. That. I, I might I might have to reconsider my dark horse pick now because. <laughs> They will probably face Nigeria in the second round. <laughs> uh, so we'll go to Lionel. We'll go to Lionel Messi's Group D, where I've got Argentina finishing first and Croatia finishing second. For me, it's Croatia first, Nigeria second, Iceland third, and maybe Argentina tie them in points. Maybe go difference just come up short. Um, Croatia and Nigeria for me. Argentina, Croatia. Really riding uh, Alex Iwobi and. John Obi Mikel and with those with that with the with the Nigerian squad there. I like it. I like it. Uh, group E, I've got Brazil in first, Serbia in second. Although I would not be stunned if we see another Costa Rica, man. They get it done. Evidently they get it done. They came out of a group with Uruguay, Italy, and England in twenty fourteen, so shouldn't be writing off Costa Rica. And just because, you know, one of our uh, one of our other EIF founders is from Costa Rica, so hey, maybe I should maybe I should throw them in second, but don't sleep on Costa Rica. I'm sorry, Costa Rica are absolutely horrendous. I mean, they're, they're worse oh, than Argentina. Fans aside, they are they are they are very bad. They uh, <laughs> they got crushed by Belgium. And if you have if you watch Costa Rica in the build up to the World Cup, they are horrible. And I wouldn't be surprised if the biggest margin of victory in one of these group games is Brazil versus Costa Rica, maybe a six zero or something. Uh, so for me, Brazil first, Serbia second. I think we might be in for a shock here, Mark, because I hear our boy Joaquin is big on Switzerland. <laughs> they could shock the world and get first place in this group. <laughs> Brazil one, Switzerland two. Oh, he's gone with his Swiss. Oh! He's gone with they have his. No, no faith, no faith in SMS. No, 
Oh the man, no, I know. Nons- the no nonsense chocolate bars, baby. <laughs> I was just gonna say, honestly, like as you were talking about that with Costa Rica, how on earth did Costa Rica really make this semifinal in 2014? Because it, yeah. it, it really is like the same team. It is like literally almost player for player the exact same team. That is just incredible. Not only emerging out of the group of death, but nearly beating Holland on penalties. My word. Uh, we go to Group F, which is another interesting one. Um, but I'm gonna go Germany one and Mexico second, even though I think I, it wouldn't surprise me if Germany kind of struggle here, and I think Germany-Mexico on match day one um, will be another interesting game. If Mexico can nick a draw or potentially steal a win, um, Germany can be in trouble, but I'll, I'll stick Germany one, Mexico two. Germany one for me, Mexico second. Uh, I would not be shocked to see South Korea sneak in uh, in second place there over Mexico, but but I think Mexico go through. Sonaldo is going to be trying to get some more informs on FIFA. Oh, please no. <laughs> Broken game. Broken game, EA. You guys are a joke. Uh, very comfortably, Germany, Mexico. I think Mexico is by far the second best team in that group. Like, by far. I'm excited to see my, uh, my, my, my Dutch man, Herving Lozano, really, really do well at this World Cup. And Mexico, they love to have a strong PSV contingent. So I suppose if I can't support IX players, I, I guess I can kind of support PSV players. It kind of works. Talk about, talk about FIFA informs, man. Herving Lozano, what a nightmare. Good, good shout, good shout. And finally, oh, not finally, sorry, one more, two more to go. Got a, I don't know my alphabet here. We go to Group G, where I'm going to go England in first, Belgium in second. Belgium first, England second. Will not be shocked to see Belgium in second because, like I said, worst manager in international football, Roberto Martinez. But they are a scary team and a team you don't want to face. So hopefully, hopefully they get second and we avoid them in the quarterfinals. I'm also going England first, Belgium second. Go on, England. Football's coming home. And then we finally we wrap up with Group H, which is honestly it's it probably like. I don't know if you can. This, classi- this is the group of death. I don't know if you can classify it as a group of death, but in terms of any team being able to make it out, uh, it's definitely this one. Although apparently Group B, we we've predicted every at least once of every team qualifying because Joaquin's picked Iran to go through, so maybe that's the group of death. Um, <laughs> so with this one, I'll go I'll go Colombia in first, and I'll go my boy Arik Milik to just to score a banger in the ninetieth to. Uh, defeat Senegal on match day one, and they'll just sneak in there ahead of Sadio Mane as Senegal. Uh, Milik might set a world record for furthest someone has kicked a ball out of a stadium uh, in front of an open net, and that's why I think Poland are not going to qualify. Um, first place, Senegal. Second place, Colombia. But like you said, what an even group this is. Colombia one, Senegal two. I think Colombia has a really strong side and you know James Rodriguez and his World Cup magic it's they'll top that group yeah and like I was saying before I think that'll set up a really interesting round of 16 game probably the most interesting round of 16 games could be uh, the Uruguay against one of Spain or Portugal and then either like a Colombia or Senegal or whoever it might be against England or Belgium should be Brazil-Mexico Brazil-Mexico would be another interesting one although I don't think so because I think Brazil will trounce them as I'm being <laughs> quite confident with my Brazilians um so I mean, there we have it. I think I think, I think, I think that 
I think that the key in, you know, going forward, it's going to be more difficult to predict, you know, who's going to go in the quarterfinal and do all of our little predictions sort of for each round because, like we said, it's it's hypothetical at this point. So we'll go into more detail and talk about the knockout games, you know, as the tournament actually progresses and as they're actually set in stone. But to finally wrap up this podcast, um, we'll say who we think is going to win the tournament, who we think will be the runner-up, the best player, and the golden boot. Whether or not that's the same player, we'll see, because for me it is. So, Tomas, I'll let you go first then Joaquin, then me, and I kind of think we know how this will go up, but uh, we'll do it anyway. <laughs> Brazil-Spain final. Um, I think we avenge, you know, I, uh, I, I think we might not get the chance to avenge the, the defeat of Germany, so I'd actually love for Germany to be in the final, but I think it'll be Brazil-Spain. Brazil win in the final, despite my cautious optimism. Neymar, best player, Neymar, top goal scorer. Although it wouldn't shock me if young Gabby Jesus uh, snuck in there as a top scorer with Neymar obviously being the, the best player. So despite texting me earlier that this will, quote, have a huge impact on the Spanish national team, they're still cruising to the final. Well, I, I, like, I said, like I said, I think it will have a huge impact in the sense that I would not be shocked if they crumbled uh, early on and, uh, and were majorly upset. But in the, at the end of the day... I still think that the players will pull through this, but to say it doesn't affect the players, Mark, is, is frankly ludicrous. Uh, anyway, Joaquin? All South American final. Brazil versus Argentina. Argentina takes it. Messi, best player, but Neymar, top goal scorer. Look at that. Look at that. Just really supporting my two boys right now. And I am going to say the same thing, except for the fact that I've got Brazil winning this tournament. I do have Argentina making the final, and Tomas, this is where I'll jump in, and I will say that I do think this has a little bit of an impact, although I don't think it has a massive impact. Um, I had predicted Argentina to beat Spain regardless of them having their manager or not, but I think that them, you know, this kind of drama that's coming into play right now could have a little bit of an impact because it might have that tiny, tiny impact in the sense that maybe Spain takes second in their group, um, or maybe they're just not as potentially prepared as they might be to play Argentina, which looks like that might be the quarterfinal game. So I'm going to go Argentina in the final uh, to lose for the fourth consecutive final. Um, yeah, I just don't think it's meant to be for, for Leo and co. And everyone will m make fun of him forever. But I think that this is simply just Neymar's time, uh, Brazil's time. I think they're that good. It'll be golden ball for Neymar, golden boot for Neymar. This is going to be his tournament Lock it down. Oh, and then just for fun, we can do who we think is going to be the best young player. And for me, it's easy. Kylian Mbappe. Simple. Sorry, Mark. Is Neymar the best player in the world if he wins a tournament? And I'm not saying he belongs the war. I'm saying is he the best player in the world now if he if he lights up the um, World Cup? Well, no. I don't think he's – I don't think it's – so as you know, I've always been super high on Neymar, and I think the gap between Messi and Neymar is nowhere near as overblown as it – you know, as, it is, as, as people make it out to be. I think they're very, 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 very close, and I think that the only thing that really separates them is kind of that end product, um, even though it looked like Neymar was kind of getting into that as with, you know, sort of being the main man for PSG. Um, but I think, like, dribbling... Dribbling-wise, Neymar is now superior. He can dribble, he can do more varieties. Uh, he can beat people in a more not in a more variety of ways because it doesn't really matter. But in terms of you know, he can go on those long, really long surging runs more frequently than Messi can. Um, but I still think Messi's passing is better. He's more decisive in the final third. So, I, but I don't think it would be egregious to say that they are like equal. Um, although I still think that until you know Neymar can show over the course of a full season that he can basically match what Messi does sort of like production wise and sort of just like influence wise. Cause, um, so far Neymar hasn't 
shown he can kind of do that. He's even for Barcelona, he would always have, and even you can attest to this, you know, he would have patches in February or March. And I love Neymar and he would have patches in February or March where his form would dip a little bit. Um, but I do think that like at their very, very best, um, you know, it's very difficult to split them. But I do think that if he wins this, this world cup, um, and wins the golden ball, then I would say he probably is then the favorite to win the Ballon d'Or because, you know, he still had an incredible season in France, one league on player of the year, and add the World Cup to that? I mean, why not? But that's a conversation for another day. But yep. but, but but just to wrap it up, you know, best young player, Kylian Mbappe for me, he'll light up this World Cup as well. Despite yeah, uh, despite just... despite Adil Rami's best efforts to remove him from this World Cup. <laughs> what, a, what a great picture that is. Adil Rami really, with these photos, man, first that Fortnite photo when everyone's doing the take the out and he's just doing the jubilation right next to him. That was hilarious. And then this one, that man is made for camera. So if he ever retires, you know, could go into modeling or something. Might be a better model than he is a footballer. Uh, but for me, best young player, uh, Gabriel Jesus, uh, I think, like I said, will be a uh, big, big tournament for him and, and show why I'm so high on him and, uh, and his future. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't think France is going to make a really long run. So I'd love to have Mbappe if they made a further run. But uh, they usually give the tournament to some, I mean, the trophy to someone who is at least in the final. So I think it's either going to be Gabriel Jesus or Lo Celso. Huh. I don't know why I like that. Ooh. I like the Lo Celso shout. Um, just fun fact. So I have to, I have to sneak this out here just before we end. Who is going to be the man that replicates Landon Donovan's incredible 2002 World Cup where he took home the Best Young Player Award? Fun fact. Um, God, just makes me sad that every single time I mention anything with the World Cup, it just makes me sad. So please give me give me something yeah. give me something that cheers me up and let Messi or Neymar do something in this tournament or Milik that would make me happy as well. Um, so yeah. that, that's all that's all, and just because it would make Tomas upset, so that'd be cool too. So that's all we have time for. This is a lengthy preview. Um, let us know what you guys think. Um, I hope it's going to be a really good tournament. Unfortunately for people on the East Coast, the game times are quite annoying. Um, so we'll be waking up bright and early. Uh, we'll be, we'll hey, be, imagine the West Coast. We'll, yeah, God. We will, be, <laughs> we will be tweeting about them as per usual. And uh, we'll try and be back for a uh, knockout round preview when the inevitable Argentina have qualified and Portugal have gone home, just as your boy predicted. So we'll see what happens then. And until then, uh, see you for now. Enjoy the World Cup. Vamos y done, baby. <laughs> and Switzerland. <laughs> Bye, guys. Until next time. I'm sick of playing it by the books. I think we should get a room. Yourself and your shoes ain't off the shelves. You straight out of magazine. Feel things I ain't ever felt.